Thank you for joining us today for Armchair Historians. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cannon. Armchair Historians is a Belgian Rabbit production. Stay up to date with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wherever you listen to your podcast, that is where you'll find us. You can also find us at armchairhistorians.com. Armchair Historians is an independent, commercial-free podcast. If you would like to support the show, you can buy us a cup of coffee through Ko-fi, or you can become a subscribing member through Patreon. You can find links to both in the episode notes. I recently had the opportunity to talk to Eric Walter, filmmaker, director extraordinaire. For the most part, that interview centered around the disappearance of Keith Reinhardt in Silver Plume, Colorado, which is the subject of Eric's soon-to-be-released documentary, The Dark Side of the Mountain. However, I couldn't let him get away without talking about his award-winning film, My Amityville Horror, especially since the Halloween season is upon us. In the documentary, Daniel Lutz recounts his version of the infamous Amityville haunting that terrified his family in 1975. George and Kathleen Lutz's story went on to inspire a best-selling novel, and the subsequent films have continued to fascinate audiences today. This documentary reveals the horrors behind growing up as part of a world-famous haunting. And while Daniel's facts may be others' fiction, the psychological scars he carries are indisputable. So, for your spooky listening pleasure, here's an outtake from my interview with Eric Walter about the making of My Amityville Horror, as well as a discussion about the paranormal. I do want to say that before I came on, I watched half of My Amityville Horror. (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh. So you're, you are, you know, I love the cinematography in that, by the way. It was beautiful. To this day. There has never been a good narrative film made about that house. There, you know, the first one, the first one, maybe for nostalgia's sake, but even that it's not a good movie, right? It's, they've all been really schlocky horror films. And so my film appropriately titled my Amityville horror was really depicting. And it was very, very difficult because Danny is a very difficult personality. He was extremely damaged by, what did or did not happen there. And I can say that while I do, you know, in the years since the film has come out, I I do think there were some things certainly elaborated upon. I think there's a little bit of a bravado and a theatrical nature to Danny when he's sitting in front of the camera telling a story. He knows I'm doing it. You allow that to unfold, which is what I liked about it. Because there's so much more to the documentary than the story. There's all the different personalities. And yeah. I really wanted to flip it on its head where, you know, we had this kind of black sheep of the Lutz family who George Lutz up until the time he died, he passed away in 2006. And he was essentially the one shepherding the story, one out in public telling the story. Christopher, the youngest boy, middle child, sort of had come out in the public a little bit, but he never told his story. He had just been out there fighting George in public in court and you know, there'd be like an inside edition episode of like Chris saying something about George. And so there was this infighting. And then when I got to know Danny, you saw why Danny had been 
essentially the lost witness of the of the Amityville case. And that was because he was sort of essentially, yeah, the black sheep of the family had fought George, had admitted on camera to the investigative reporter and people that we worked with at the, for that film that he, he meant to kill George. He wanted to kill George. And in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of people have criticized just the, you know, because Danny's so you know, using bad language against George. And, you know, it's a, it's a person who's deceased. I was really trying to illustrate Danny's haunted by George, his stepfather. <laughs> and yeah, he's haunted by, that. he's haunted by the house. Yes. But it's more of a haunted man's story and haunted by the media onslaught and haunted by being made a character in a movie. And there's this kind of fatal attraction that, Danny's sitting there talking about something he doesn't want to, he says he doesn't want to talk about. So it's a little bit of read between the lines. You know, a lot of people criticized Danny and, you know, just hated on what Danny had to say. And that's okay. I think everyone wants to believe this so much that they want proof of something. You can never give anyone proof of any of this. I mean, he's talking about levitating beds. I mean, (laughs) you know, and I, I will say this. While I do think some things were elaborated upon, and I think Danny, you know, embellished things, I certainly do believe that. However, I do think, by and large, Danny believes what most what if what he's saying. He believes the house was haunted. He believes you could see the pain on his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, this is my opinion. I'm not a degreed psychologist, so I'm not diagnosing him. I'm just saying my opinion, having gotten to know him, was that you know there was something there was something very real that it was very real for him. So if you want to provide anyone proof that that house was haunted or something evil happened in the house, I look no further than my Amityville horror, because I think you can see it in his eyes. And I think that was the real, the real horror was this, this child who at the time was 45 when we interviewed him for this film. And he, uh, it was a traumatic Thing. It was a catharsis for him in many ways to be able to get it off his chest and do it on his terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and my intention was to get all of the children to speak. I, I knew that was a long shot, but I was very lucky to, you know, we almost got Chris to uh, get involved with the film, but uh, he at the last minute pulled out of the thing. There was still infighting between the Chris and Danny, and there was just so much. It, it blew this family apart. I, I tell people all the time about Amityville. I'm more interested in what happened after mm-hmm. than what they say happened in the house. In the house. Yeah. You know, it's the story we all know. And I know I'm glossing over a lot of it, but you know, you, right. anyone can read the book if they want to know what the book Just is another, probably the closest. Another coincidence yeah. is I, I lived a town over from the Warrens and I remember oh my God. Moved, moved to Connecticut and people are like, Oh, the Warrens, the Warrens. And I'm like, who are the, it was, I just, Monroe. I just was remembered about that. Yeah. I lived in Newtown. I lived in Newtown. Right. Well, I, I, Lauren, uh, Lorraine was a lovely person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you ever got to meet her. I'm also very skeptical of a lot of the research tactics, let's say <laughs> of the Warrens and um, some of the other parapsychologists that have gotten involved. Uh, but I cannot deny Lorraine was a wonderful person and so gracious and allowed us into her home uh, at, you know, six in the morning when we came knocking on her door. And we were down there, you know, with the old, the Annabelle doll in a glass case with a red light on it. And, uh, and you know, it's this uh, kind of hodgepodge of like 
a hundred baby dolls in a room over here. And then there's like Halloween decorations and there's actual satanic ritual artifacts and things in the hallway. And yeah, it's, uh, it was really, it was really fascinating and a dream to be there. And of course we had Danny Lutz with us. We had Laura DiDio is a good friend of mine who was an investigative reporter who was uh, 19 at the time that the, you know, in 1975 when uh-huh. this story broke. Yeah. Um, well, do you, let me just ask you this question. Do you think there's something to, to it, to the paranormal aspect? Do you. Of, of the Amityville know? case or just in of, general? In general. In general. Oh, in, in general. I think the paranormal is very normal. We just don't understand what it is. Okay. And I think, so I do, I have had my own experiences of strange goings on that I have found strange that, you know, until you're in those shoes, it's very hard to convey to somebody because otherwise it's just another campfire story and everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's weird. But when it happens to you, and I actually am very interested in that as a documentarian too, is like the need to communicate that this happens and that, that was something that I felt from Danny was this desire that you better believe every word I'm saying. And like at the end of the film, I even questioned him. Would you take it? Would you take a polygraph test? And he took it as an insult. And a lot of people see in the film, they think that he's lying because he reacts so strongly. But if you listen to what he's saying, he actually says, yes, he would. But he took it as like an affront of assault on his credibility, um, which is interesting. So again, it's very, uh, so to get back to your question, with Amityville, I do, th- I do think s- it's possible something, went something w- w- went yeah. on. Um, I'm, I don't, I'm, I hesitate to think that there were levitating objects and beds yeah. and people sure. levitating in their beds and and all of this and I, that stretches it for me, um, but there had been such negative energy expelled in that, in that house. Mm -hmm. Um, Six people had lost their lives just several months prior. Um, And to make it matters, even to make it matters worse, um, the Lutz family purchased, uh, you know, furniture from the DeFeo estates, including the bed frames that their children were sleeping in. So it, uh, Danny's bed was one of the, they say that, Okay, I'm, I'll tell you a little more about myself. So I <clears throat> I run a um, historic walking tour business, which I am not doing this year, which is why I'm doing the podcast. So my most popular tours are my ghost tours. I was and... going to, I, I want to come take that tour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I will be glad to take you anytime. Um, I'm intrigued. I go back and forth on what I believe. I always tell my tours that, you know, I don't wholeheartedly believe in this, but I tell my stories, uh, whatever. But having said that, they say that like spiritual energy energy can stay in, um, you know, objects. There are so many cases of someone, there will be no hauntings going on. Someone will buy a, a piece of furniture that's yeah. used or something from some other location. They'll bring it into the home and suddenly things will start happening. Or someone mm-hmm. will move a piece of furniture that's already there. They'll move it to a different part of the house and things will start happening. Now, uh, you know, I'm very interested in the work of like Lloyd Arabach, who's a parapsychologist, 
um, the form, you know, the, the late uh, Dr. William Roll, uh, credible um, parapsychologist degreed who uh, have, you know, have a more, I don't know, I say secular viewpoint, but have a little bit more of like a yeah. tangible, like I want to go in and look for consistency. Right. And they're less into the uh, religious aspect of yeah. uh, demons and um, this type of thing. But again, with Amityville, it's very hard to deny there was a seemingly negative aspect to this case. Um, sure. And the people and, and the Lutzes claimed that followed them after uh, they moved to San Diego and, uh, you know, were living uh, with very, very little money, which is contributed to, I think, why they decided to do a book deal and yeah. do this whole thing. They realized mm-hmm. the, the, the monetary value of what they had experienced and they went with it and in a lot of ways. You know, you, in one ways you can say, oh, I don't blame them for doing that. But I think in my film certainly is a, is a long retrospective look at why it was probably not a good idea. Uh, and Danny, I think, has his own problems. So it's not all attributed to the Amityville house, but it's all kind of this, it's all pivoted from that in a way. Um, and it's just curious. It's a mm-hmm. psychological kind of character study on. Yeah, uh, it really is. On this. That's what I loved about the um, that documentary. And, you know, that- not to not to get back to, to shift gears too much, but to talk about Dark Side of the Mountain again. Okay. Part of what I can reveal in in coming to this uh, this documentary is that you know there there also is a very human psychological aspect of this as well, and just in a different way. There are there are members of you know uh, Reinhard family um, and other people attributed to it in the town. Everyone believes something different. Yeah. And when and in a lot of ways the most, the easiest, simplest explanation is often ignored because, well, it couldn't just be that easy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting to me. Um, as we said before, you know, what, when you don't have any answers, your le- your mind is left to wander and create scenarios. And just like the stories of Clifford Griffin and others throughout history, yeah. mm-hmm. we see that happening again. So it's, it's very, so dark side in a way is kind of an extension onto what Amityville kind of did or was saying uh just in i think a much broader and bigger more profound way right right i'm excited i can't wait to see it can't wait to see what you did with it um okay so i have one more paranormal thing to say what you said when you were prefacing um your response to the paranormal i agree that there is an explanation we just don't know what it is and I don't know what that means, but I think that there is probably a scientific explanation. We don't understand it. We don't have the capacity to do that now, but um, I, I'm a little more pra- practical and pragmatic about it. But when I do a tour, I Me have too. to kind of entertain a lot because really a big part of the tour is that, you know, I ask people, well, what do you think? Have you ever had an experience? And so well, it ends up being like ghost stories. We talk a lot about ghost stories, if especially if, and most people do want to talk about that, like you said. Um, so it's interesting. But people, people, friends of mine get up, get on me all the time about, uh, 
well, if you're such an agnostic, why are you so in, you're so wrapped up in this and so interested? I mean, take a look. You can't probably see it, but back here on my shelf, I've got probably a thousand ghost books and, you know, oh, cool. uh, but all like nonfiction ghost books, right? No, okay. it's just, uh, I, I'm very, uh, I'm very passionate about wanting yeah. to tell those stories and I love hearing people, but at the same time, I also, I want to see the proof too. I, but I, yeah. as, as I mentioned, I have had experiences too yeah. in my lifetime that, um, that I can explain and, and I'm open-minded that, Hey, there could be some natural explanation that I wasn't, um, thinking, uh, or realizing at the time, but I, I've thought it through it, um, so many different ways. And, uh, you know, in both instances, there's not really any way to explain them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things when you don't have an explanation again, you know, yeah, it's, it's what do you, fun. what do you do and about that? We're moving into that time of year. And I do have to say that something happens. I don't know if it's because of the change of seasons, you know, they call the shoulder season or whatever, but it pushes up against your senses. And, you know, I think strange things feel like they start happening, especially in Georgetown. But well, um, that's true. And a lot of people say that about the Amityville case. I mean, can you imagine moving into a house with your children and knowing that, hey, in this in these rooms, people were horribly murdered? Um, I can imagine I that would affect your there. psyche. No, is the house still there, or did they ever? Um, it's still the there. It, they changed the address to it was formerly 112 Ocean Avenue. It's now 108 Ocean Avenue. Uh, they changed the iconic windows that were quarter moon, kind of jack-o'-lantern, evil persona looking eyes, they called them. They changed them to just squares. Um, but the house is still there. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I believe they, I've heard, I haven't been there in a few years, but um, I've heard that they put a fence up along the front yard now, which is pretty funny. But I think they did that just to deter, you know, no matter what they do, they're not going to be able to deter this tourist. I mean, the name yeah. of the town, Amityville, is now notorious right. uh, with the, you know, it, there's just no way to to get sure. rid of it. So, so, yeah. um, but still to this day, and I know having worked on the dock is, um, and having worked on other TV shows that have done Amityville episodes, and there's another one coming out later this year that I was a part of that also had the same experiences. They just deny filming requests pretty much okay um or if you're going to do anything that promotes the story the lutz story that it was true they won't participate um so it's interesting uh you know they they still to this day and it's been this many years later they yeah they, they haven't they haven't come around there have been people in the town that have wanted to turn it into a bed and breakfast but a little morbid being that there were murders there but you have the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast, so I don't know why we can't have the the Amityville. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think it would probably be in bad taste, right? How, yeah. How many? Do you know how many owners are uh, have been since uh, the the Lutz family? Well, the family that that the Cromarty family that moved there after the Lutzes ended up suing them uh, for invasion of privacy and all these trumped up charges of, you know, anybody that moved in there. And after that book came out, knew what was, they were getting into I mean, yeah. people were driving all on the lawn and um, you know, there was just crazy. So it was turning into a circus act and it's never, it's never stopped for this many years, but let's see. So the Cromartys, there were several, let's see, it's gotta be at least five families since five or six. 
I, I don't know its current occupants, um, but the previous, the, the, the last ones that I know of, the D'Antonio's, um, were also of the mind that there's nothing here. Um, and they were, I've been told, very upset that Danny uh, decided to come out and talk. <laughs> well, it's what happens when you buy, yeah, that house. Right. right. I know I know in Newtown, the woman, uh, you know, the shooting that happened there at Sandy Hook, uh, mm-hmm. the house that they lived in, I knew Nancy, I knew them, but the house that they oh lived in, they actually ended up just um, destroying because right. of the bad mojo. Well, you know, it's a, I remember telling, uh, my producer friend who came with me to my first trip in Silver Plume. And I hate to say this about the Silver Plume because, you know, it's such a beautiful town. And, um, but I, I said the, the whole notion of a stigmatized property, right? There you have it. For more information about Eric Walter and My Amityville Horror, be sure to check out our episode notes. But also, I strongly suggest you listen to my full-length interview with Eric Walter about the soon-to-be-released documentary, Dark Side of the Mountain. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. <laughs>